0: You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at longtownpumpkins.com, Jake Madison at NOLA Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of podcasts. We got to recap two games from the weekend, two losses which is probably good for the Pelicans tanking odds and lottery odds, particularly because you're seeing some improvement from these young guys. Frank Jackson has had an outstanding two games, so has Czech Diallo. Both those guys are on a bit of a run, and I'm gonna talk about them more tomorrow and the rest of the week. But today we're gonna recap the two games, the loss to the Toronto Raptors, then on the road to Atlanta, a loss there to a team playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Excellent tank job, Pelicans. And then we're gonna take a look at the lottery odds and why I honestly don't think It's a big deal if the Pelicans win or lose at this point. You want them to win, go ahead and cheer for it. It's not really going to change all that much. I'll tell you guys why in the third segment. So let's get it done in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the 127-104 loss to the Toronto Raptors at home on Friday. Pelicans didn't have much of a shot in this one, though. They played really well for the first half. They were without Drew Holiday. He's gonna be out for seven to ten days, gonna be reevaluated likely within a week, according to head coach Alvin Gentry. You know, I talked about it the other day on the podcast, I think on Fridays, where we found out that Holiday is gonna be missing some games. His first games due to miss due to injury it, since 2016. Notice this comes right after he hits his incentive bonuses in a lot of in a good chunk of his contract. The rebounds per game, minutes played, things like that. He's had all of that. He doesn't really need to be playing at this point in time. The Pelicans have been in kind of a weird spot, a weird limbo, where they can't outright just focus on the development of the young guys because you have to play Anthony Davis 20 to 25 minutes per game, and that's pretty much set... Going forward, according to Alvin Gentry, Holiday's still in there, and while healthy, he wants to play. This isn't a guy who just wants to completely shut it down, particularly when he had things to play for uh, monetarily in terms of those incentives. And then you've got a guy like Julius Randle, who the Pelicans want to take a good long look at to see if he's part of their future, and he's also basically going to be a free agent, so he wants to go out and prove himself, which is maybe why you're seeing him play a lot of isolation ball. Though I think you're seeing him play a little bit better. So this team's been. In a weird spot where you're kind of not building for the future entirely just yet because you're kind of stuck in the present because of that and it's kind of put them in a weird limbo spot but now that Holiday's made those incentives, he doesn't need to be playing as much and I think you'll start to see him maybe miss more games or this injury and in the, the abdominal strain he has takes a little bit longer and I think that's kind of what you're going to see going forward for him as this team really does start the youth movement now and they started it on Friday against the Toronto Raptors. No Drew holiday ad was a late scratch due to back spasms each one more not playing in this one either and that led to your starting lineup being alfred payton frank jackson jaleel okafor julius randall and ken rich williams you got basically three young guys in there if you want to count okafor who hasn't been fully healthy but i think the pelicans know what they have in him and those guys did well. yet had a 20-point game from Frank Jackson, almost 37 minutes of action, 20 points on the night, six rebounds as well. He was one of eight from three. That shot was not falling, though we've seen him hit multiple threes in games in a variety of styles, catch and shoot, off the bounce. You're not really worried about him doing that. The fact that he could go 9 of 20 while being 1 of 8 from 3 is a very good sign. Nice moment for him as he got the start there. You're seeing his defense improve as well, and we'll talk more about that later in the week. And Alvin Gentry pretty much praised him after the Atlanta game. Alfred Payton in the start had a scary moment where he hurt his hand, had to go to the locker room, got x-rays. They came back negative. He went back in. He finished with 13 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. On the night, Julius Randle was 6 of 15 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. The Pels did not shoot well from deep at all in this one. They were 10 of 39, just over 25%. He finished with 18 points. Rich Williams, who's kind of come back down to earth after a good run of play, 9 points on the night, 5 rebounds. He did have 4 assists. This is a lineup that basically just kind of went out and hustled and played hard, and it was nice to see. Check Diallo, also a guy who's always going to play hard, 16 points from him 12 rebounds as well he was 8 of 15 from the field i really want to look at him in the future too because he's making the case to stay in the nba when at one point it was looking like he might be on his way out toronto kept this one close early on and the pelicans actually had a lead for a little while against this team and it was close at halftime but really started to run away with it in the second half they were ice cold from three to start the game and really got it going after that. And basically, when you shoot three of sixteen from three to start the game, you start to regress towards the mean. There, you're going to start to win that game. They finished with uh, six of, or sorry, thirteen of thirty-seven on the night, led by Kawhi Leonard, who at one point just could not miss. He was fourteen of twenty from the field. 31 points. Pascal Siakam, who's kind of their do-everything guy, 19 points from him. Danny Green chipped in with 13. So did Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka off the bench with 12. And then Jeremy Lin, a one-time kind of big target for the Pelicans, who's there after being bought out by the Atlanta Hawks, 14 points on the night. Basically, you saw good play from the young guys here in New Orleans, and they lost the game, which, if you want them to be tanking, is a great thing. So kind of a win-win all around for New Orleans on Friday night. So there's been a lot of injury news coming out of Los Angeles, particularly with the Lakers shutting down Brandon Ingram for the season with a blood clot, which is very scary in his shoulder. You have Lonzo Ball, who's going to be shut down for the rest of the regular season as well. And then LeBron James having his minutes restriction put in place as they really kind of are punting on this year and starting to build for the future. What does that mean for them and their pursuit of Anthony Davis, which is going to reheat Over the summer here, best way to do that is the Locked on Lakers podcast. Yeah, you might hate it given everything that went on with them and the Pelicans at the trade deadline, but it is important to know what's going on with them because they are going to be a major player in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes. Make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Lakers podcast. So in addition to the game on Friday, the Pelicans played last night, Sunday night, against the Atlanta Hawks on the road before they head back here to New Orleans and play on Tuesday. Hawks playing on the second night of a back-to-back. This one could have been a win for the Pelicans, particularly with Anthony Davis playing but the Pelicans fell 116-128 on the road to that Atlanta team. They have some decent players there, and their, and their core looks very good going forward. For the Pelicans, again, no Drew Holiday in this one. No, um, as I forget, one Moore. There we go. Frank Jackson in the starting lineup again. He had another 20-point 20 game, 23 on the night. His three-point shot better in this one. Seven, or sorry, three of seven from deep. He was 10 of 18 from the field overall. Six rebounds two assists again he has had uh, he's making the most of these minutes I think over the past 10 games, something like that. He's averaging close to 15 points per game. And Alvin Gentry heaped a bunch of praise on him after the game, saying maybe the game is slowing down for him. And I think that's been one of the things we've seen is he's played just a little too fast. It's not out of control per se, but just a little too quick. And, you know, to use cliches, it's you've just got to let the game come to him. I think you're starting to see that more. It shows kind of the future he has here with this team. He's a guy who can kind of work off ball, handle the rock if need be as well. The guy handling the ball primarily on the night was Alfred Payton. He put up a triple double, getting it right at the end of the game with Drew Holiday. was basically saying, Hey, go out there, make sure you get this. Finished with 15 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds on the night. We're gonna have to talk about his future at some point, too. These kind of burning questions as we get closer to the offseason of what do they do with him? Is he earned uh enough to maybe price out the Pelicans? What do they want to do with him going forward? He was six of twelve overall. Julius Randle, twenty-three points on the night. Rebounds low. This was a tough rebounding game because of the Hawks and John Collins can kind of go out and do it. Just three from there. But his three-point shot was better. Four of six from deep in route to that 23 points. The Pelicans as a whole were hotter from three than they were against the Toronto Raptors. 18 of 41. This is kind of why they were really in this one. And at one point had a 12-point lead because they were just shooting lights and out on the night. Anthony Davis in his usual 20-21 minutes of action, 15 points, eight rebounds, four assists. He had a incredible block at one point that just swatted the ball, I don't know, almost 20-30 feet away from where it was, sent it right out of bounds, then got this monstrous putback dunk off a miss on the next possession where he kind of just curled in unguarded, unblocked, no one boxed him out there and got it and put it back in. Kind of reminds you of just how good he is, despite the fact that he's just been such a drain and has kind of tanked the Pelicans' season. Kenrich Williams, also in the starting lineup, struggling to shoot right now. 3 of 11 from the field overall, just 9 points. The rebounds weren't even there. The Pelicans really did struggle to rebound in this one. They lost that battle 42-56 to And of course, the Hawks were led by John Collins in that department. 10 rebounds from him. 23 points as well for the second-year player. He's got some range, too. was 2 of 3 from deep. Trey Young, who's likely going to finish second in rookie of the year voting, struggled. He did not hit a shot in the first half. was 0 for 6 and put on a new pair of shoes. Came out and then finished the game 2 of 14. You saw a number of guys guard him, including Frank Jackson as well. They did a very good job. It just wasn't his night. Finished with 10 points. assists assists as well he had a triple double the other night too which is pretty impressive Kevin Herter a rookie out of Maryland 11 of 18 4 of 7 from deep 27 points that was a team high Right there for him. Torian Prince in their starting lineup, 13 points, and then Alex Len, a bit of a reclamation project, finished with 19. Basically, they kind of had more rebounds and just kind of out-hustled the Pelicans a little bit. Atlanta had 18 second-chance points because of that, and they were just able to get it done. They got into the paint. New Orleans really didn't have an answer for that. Um, you know, as good as Diallo's been, he struggled in this one and just, it was just, okay, what can you do? At one point, Alvin Gentry just shrugged. And that's probably the predominant feeling of this. You know, when the Pelicans have only eight turnovers and you can't do much else, what are you going to do? And in a season where you don't really need wins, you don't really need to complain too much about this. Again, you're seeing good progression from some of these young guys. And at this point, that's all that really matters. So before we get into the tanking and the lottery odds, and does it really matter? A little bit, and I'll explain why. There was a big trade in the NFL the other day. You had Antonio Brown going from the Steelers to the Raiders, a guy that many Saints fans wanted here in New Orleans, and Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. Probably going to make you feel better that it didn't happen, and also what is going to be going on with the Saints this offseason in a very pivotal year. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On Saints podcast. So we hadn't been looking at it too much, the lottery odds and tanking and what it means for the Pelicans' future. But with the Lakers shutting down a number of guys, particularly Brandon Ingram, who's played very, very well for him, despite not really being wanted here in New Orleans, and Lonzo Ball for the rest of the year. And then you have LeBron James not playing on the second night of back-to-backs, likely going to have his minutes reduced as well. This is going to create a situation where the Lakers are going to fall and fall and fall and lose a lot more games. And right now, they've lost five in a row, and they're just two of eight out of their last ten. What does it mean for New Orleans? Because they seem kind of slotted into their spot at nine, tenth right there, but now might get past a little bit, and things could get a little bit dicey, and their lottery odds hurt. So what does it mean? Where do they stand? Does it really matter? And I'm going to say I don't think it really does. So one thing you've got to know this year is they've changed the lottery odds. The top three, uh, the, the top, the worst three teams now have an equal chance at getting the number one overall pick, 14% for those top three. They've also changed the lottery where now it's a lottery for the top four picks, not just the top three. Basically, it just means everyone has a better chance of getting kind of a higher pick, top to bottom. So whether you fall to worst, you know, the worst team in the league, or fourth or fifth worst, your odds are still there. So maybe you don't need to be just putridly bad, like you're seeing, you know, New York and Phoenix and Cleveland do. So New Orleans has no chance, basically, at this point of getting into the top three. They stand at 30 wins right now. New York has 13, Phoenix is 15, Cleveland has 16. They're basically set there. Chicago has 19 and is likely going to be slotted in that fourth worst record as well. Then it gets a little bit different, and you might be able to see New Orleans really climb up. But Atlanta, with 23 wins now, is kind of solidly in there in five. And then it's a four win jump to six, where it's Dallas and Washington both have 27 losses. So, really, realistically, the Pelicans could maybe get to the sixth worst record in the lottery, and then have a better chance at the number one overall pick and a top four pick. The sixth worst team, where New Orleans could maybe jump to, has a 34.8% chance at the top four and an 8.3% chance at the number one overall. New Orleans, where they sit at nine, and this is three wins better than those teams right now, have a 20.3% chance of top so there's a significant difference there. It's about 14.5%. It is 14.5%. I can do math. I'm smart. And a 4.5% chance of a number one overall pick. That seems like a lot, 14.5%. But here's the thing this is a very top heavy draft. It's you got to be in the top three or it doesn't really matter. The difference between picks four to 10 likely aren't that different in terms of the player that you're going to get. We all know who the top three guys are. And after that, it's a bunch of jumbled guys. Maybe someone will separate themselves, look good in workouts and ace interviews. But overall, the quality and talent of player in that middle part of the lottery is largely going to be the same. So picking at 10 is probably the same thing as picking at four or five or six. There's no real big difference there. So maybe if you win a couple of games because the young guys play really well, it's not the end of the world from that. And you shouldn't necessarily be rooting for losses here if you're New Orleans. Also, go back to 2012 when the Pelicans won the lottery, then Hornets won the lottery. They had the fourth worst record. They were tied, though, with Cleveland for the third worst record overall. But because of a tiebreaker, New Orleans finished fourth, Cleveland finished third. And that was kind of how it went. New Orleans and won the lottery that year because their combinations that you get of the ping pong balls came up not Cleveland's. So it really just goes to show you that it's not necessarily always that you're you know you want to have the best odds. You know, if New Orleans had won the tiebreaker against Cleveland that year, then Cleveland ends up with the number 1 overall pick. That's kind of how that was going and you know what? That does it goes to show you that yeah, you can have all the combinations in the world, but you just need the right one. And sometimes it just kind of comes down to blind luck at that point. So because of that, I don't really care if the Lakers leapfrog New Orleans. And all of a sudden, New Orleans goes to 10 from 9, which is a significant difference in terms of percentage. 9, again, has that 20.3% chance of a top-four pick. But if that they end up with the 10th worst record, it's 11.7. There's a bit of a jump right there, 96 but I don't think it really matters here because that middle spot is going to kind of have similar caliber guys. You know, it, it doesn't really matter other than maybe the opportunity to get the one that you want versus not being able to have that or hoping they fall to you. But if they're same guys, then who really cares? And because, you know, you have some odds, which is better than no odds, and sometimes it doesn't really matter if you look at that tiebreaker, so that's an interesting thing to keep in mind as well. So, root for improvement. Don't root for losses. I think that's the big thing here. You're going to see some very good performances from guys like Diallo, from Frank Jackson, from Kenrich Williams, that maybe keep this team in games or win them games more, uh, one or two more games than they would have otherwise. If they were just kind of outright tanking and playing guys like, well, now the gone Tim Frazier and... And others. So I don't think that's what you want to root for because at the end of the day, it's ultimately not going to matter and you'd like to see improvement from guys that are going to be on the roster next year more than the potential to get someone who, one, who knows who it's going to be and two if they're going to be any good. So root for improvement, not losses as we end the season for the Pelicans. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. I hope you had a good weekend. You're not all thrown off by the jump in time. As we, what do we, spring forward, fall back, one of the two, it's a different time than it would have been otherwise. We'll look more at Frank Jackson, check Diallo this week. I want to talk about the front office as well, things I've heard about Danny Ferry, what the Pelicans should do, what the Pelicans might do as well, because ultimately that is probably the most important decision the team's going to make this year. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.